0: there are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. The high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Danby Swanson. Blair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzie Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me for my work over on BatteryBower.com, where I've been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the, and the minor league editor since 2015. Joining me as often on this podcast, you can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB, my longtime colleague and good buddy, Garrett Spain. What's going on, man?
0: Nothing much. I'm hanging in there. What's up with you? Oh, just,
1: you know, trying to live the life, getting used to this offseason that we're uh, currently in the midst of. Uh, it's not a full baseball off season quite yet. As we record this on Monday, uh, October 31st on Halloween, uh, neither Garrett nor I get to have to participate in the Halloween festivities. My kids are, you know, off with their friends having fun and, you know, doing their trick-or-treating thing. So my wife has kind of had the house to ourselves this evening, which has been nice and quiet. Um, it's We have also had uh, game three of the World Series postponed, so we don't even have baseball to kind of follow along with. Although, to be fair, this this World Series has been a little bit tough for me to kind of watch because these aren't exactly two teams I particularly enjoy uh, in a lot of respects. So, you know, we're kind of counting down the days until the World Series is over and then we start to get some important deadlines, which – Oddly enough is what kind of brings us to this episode. I know we haven't recorded in the last couple weeks. My apologies for that combination of just some like, you know, logistical. I haven't been able to kind of put together a time where we could record where it made sense. And also there's just not a lot to talk about until the off season officially starts. Now we do have the Arizona fall league and I'm going to throw it to Garrett here just a little bit, just to, you know, run down what's been going on with the Braves prospects in the Arizona Fall League, of which there have been quite a few, and there's actually been some guys that have been performing well. Uh, but we also have some deadlines coming up. Now, we'll have, you know, obviously when free agency is declared, we'll start to see more and more guys becoming minor league free agents, and we'll make sure we take a look at and cover that as that happens. And we're going to start, you know, having questions answered about who's going to get DFA'd, who's going to, you know, be removed from the 40 man. Who's going to get? But the reason why those decisions are being made is because the Rule Five draft comes up in the winning winter meetings, and we have no reason to believe that the plans are going to change. The major league portion of the Rule Five draft obviously didn't happen uh, normally uh, these the the past off season uh, because for a lot of reasons, uh, notably just the lack of time coming off the work stoppage. But everything that we understand is that there will be a rule five draft this year and to protect players from that rule five draft you have to add them to your 40 man roster at least the major league portion the minor league portion we get getting a little some weirder semantic type stuff but the the big version is if you you have to pick if you want to pick someone on the rule five you have to add them to your major league roster but you can't add guys who are on current 40 man rosters uh there's a lot of you know requirements as to what kind of players are eligible for the Rule 5, how old they were drafted, and then how long they've been in the minor leagues and all that stuff. And we actually have a primer that Garrett put together for us uh, not that long ago that went up on the site. Make sure you go take a look at that. It's a really good companion piece for this week's podcast where we go through some of the names that you know we think are have real potential to get picked uh some guys who are possible some guys who are far less likely we also just kind of give you all the names kind of lumped in at the end as to who's eligible so you can kind of pick and choose who you would like to get see protected and maybe some potential roster moves but before we kind of get into all that roster stuff uh Garrett I want to talk a little bit about the Arizona Fall League because we well, we've been doing weekly recaps for the of the Arizona Fall League that's been kind of your assignment this offseason uh you are doing yeoman's work I must say you know it's a it's, it can be at times a pretty tough beat, but there's a, there's actually been a, a number of guys who are in the Brave system who are playing in the Arizona Fall League on both sides of the ball, and we've actually seen some guys performing reasonably well, particularly on the position, position player side, which has been nice to see. So talk a little bit about what's been going on, particularly with uh, arguably I, I would I, it's very close. He's if he's not the top prospect in the system, he's really close. Uh, at least on the position, I mean certainly on the position player side. So talk to us a little bit what's going on in the AFL.
0: Yeah, definitely the star of the league in terms of name recognition his session is Justin Henry Malloy he's had a really good start to this fall league season kind of had a bad week last week or the week before last where he really struggled and only had it didn't have any hits over the week but then last week he bounced back reached base multiple times in each game and he's just been consistently good now he hasn't hit for a ton of power he doesn't have any home runs yet I think his isol- isolated power is right around 100 which that's a fairly hitter friendly league so you typically see fairly good hitting numbers. Um, and he's striking out more lately, not walking as much as he did early in the season, but overall he's had a really great season and he's had a, he's played a lot of baseball this season and he's seems to have been able to maintain that. And I wonder if, you know, he's played left field every game. I wonder if some of sending him into the, some of sending him to the fall league was getting him defensive experience because that's typically where he seemed to lack this year. And overall, Offensively, he's done a fine job. Defensively, it's a work in progress. He's adjusting to the position. He's not the most athletic player out there, but he's not necessarily, you know, a waste of space out there either. Cal Conley, uh, the shortstop, is the guy that's been the best player so far for them. He had kind of a rough first week, and then since then, he's raked consistently. Uh, he's a guy that I was worried about approach-wise because he does go did go through spells during the regular season where He'd strike out a ton and not walk for weeks at a time, but he had a couple home runs for them. One of them was inside the park, kind of a misplay on the outfield, but it's, it counts as a home run. But his peripherals are really good. Uh, his strikeout rate's right around 25%, which isn't great, but when you look at a guy that he's only played limited amount of time at high eight going to that league and only striking out 25%, it's fairly good job. Uh, 12 walks and 72 plate appearances. His peripherals are fantastic. He's hitting the ball hard. He's doing a lot better offensively than he was doing during the regular season, and it's good to see him. He wasn't a guy that really struggled with injury this year, so he's a guy that, again, has also played a lot of baseball, and he's still keeping that level of play up. Uh, defensively, he's had he has like five errors. He didn't struggle a ton defensively this year um, in terms uh, of he errors. Didn't, he, 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 he didn't know. struggle <laughs> with a lot of errors. Yeah, he had some stretches
1: where he was pretty rough over right. there. And,
0: and he's in one of those stretches where he hasn't been great at shortstop, but he's hit well, and he's a guy that he does flash that potential. When he hits, he can go two or three weeks where he looks really good at the plate, and then he can either get too home-run happy or just too pull-happy in general and really struggle. But he does, he's done well for himself. K. Bonnell is the other position player, and he's just kind of been what he is. He strikes out a ton. He draws a lot of walks. He hasn't really hit he hasn't hit for any power, but he also has only played like 7 games or something like that. But yeah, that's but that was an interesting guy cuz he kind of plays all over the infield, uh, draws a ton of walks, can hit for reasonable power, and he just strikes out a ton. It, it's an somewhat interesting bat, but the strikeout rates are egregiously bad and they always have been. Pitching side typically where the Braves send pitching guys they're always almost always injured players and that's the case with most of the guys this year austin smith is one exception austin played most of the season healthy uh, had a little bit of an injury issue in the middle of the season but for the most part he was healthy all year he's been the best pitcher for the team down there he's striking out a lot of guys not walking a ton he's a solid reliever he's a little bit of an older guy in terms of you know he was at high this year and was doing very well but he was an older player and so seeing him as a another power relief arm in the system those guys can bust and they can hit in the blink of an eye and he's done well for himself uh William Woods is a guy that I was really interested to watch in the fall league and he has not been very good he's been hit very hard he, it's not a it's not like he's walking the world it's just he's given up a ton of hits and in return he's given up a ton of runs he's given up a lot of home runs which was also an issue for him during the regular season was giving up home runs so that's been he's a guy that i think i mean he's on the 40-man roster he's a guy that's legitimately going to get a chance to make the the roster next year and he just has struggled alex siegel has struggled too i give him a little bit of a break because he is coming off of tommy john surgery and he's still recovering but he's walked it's I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's like 11 walks in six and two-thirds innings. It's it's rough. He's really struggled with his control down there, and he's had some bad games where he'll go out there and walk four or five guys, and it gets really bad for him. He when he's in the zone, he strikes out guys, but it, he's an arm that we like, but he struggled down there for sure. Alan Wynans has had. Games where he keeps the ball on the ground, keeps it in the zone, and he's really good. He's had a couple games where the control gets away from him like it did in one game last week, and he can struggle a little bit. He's a guy that that command is – his performance scales with his command. His stuff is good enough to get outs, but it's not good enough to get a lot of strikeouts, and he can't get away with pitches down the middle. And so when he has those bad command games, he – both walks guys and gives up hits and it can get kind of ugly, but he has a bunch of games in between where he's just a ground ball machine and getting a ton of outs. So he's done well for himself with the few hiccups in between that have really inflated his numbers overall.
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting group. They sent to the Arizona fall league, because there's certainly some guys that were some upside. You have Justin Henry Malloy, who obviously we're big fans of gets on base a whole ton has some rule. has some kind of, I would call it like he has raw power, we think he can hit a good bit. Uh, he certainly has times where he gets victimized. He's, this isn't like a top pedigree type prospect, but he's a guy that like we think that could eventually could maybe work his way into a left field mix. Uh, he has to have. I think he's got have to have some more consistent success driving the ball consistently. Um, and then you have a guy like you know William Woods is another example of a high upside guy. Uh, who had missed an extended period of time with a like kind of a foot ankle injury that he had and you know, can throw upper 90s. But I, I'm intending to think this may just be who he is in the sense that I love the stuff in a vacuum, but when it's put into practice, he just doesn't fool guys. He just doesn't fool them. And I'm not sure what to really attribute that to. I don't know if he just needs to get kind of a different, you know, different angle of spin or maybe like play with the arm slot a little bit. I'm not really sure because like the stuff seems like it should play well as a reliever, but it just hasn't really done that. Now, he certainly has had some times where he's had just bad rule command problems. But I think overall, it's just I don't think that just being able to throw hard is good enough necessarily because hitters are really good at timing up high velocity these days. Uh, Alan Wines is an interesting case here. Didn't pitch a whole ton, a ton this year, uh, dealing with an injury comes back, pitched reasonably well across three levels for the Braves. Uh, he was their rule five pick, uh, in the minor league portion of the, of the draft. Uh, he's going to be a guy that we're going to talk a little bit, probably talk a bit about during the rule five preview after the break here. I don't know if he gets selected. I do think that they sent several guys. Uh, I think Austin Smith, um, You know, Winans, you know, guys like that, they want to see kind of showcase them for trade in trade for trades, I'm sure. See kind of where they are at and kind of where they could fit into the Braves' plans long term. And, you know, overall, just maybe see if they're the guys that you want, that are worth protecting. I think Winans is on that list. Um, I'm a little bit surprised they didn't maybe send some more other guys that were, you know, potentially Rule 5 guys along this route. There's some relievers that we'll talk about, for example, but maybe they don't want to. (laughs) <laughs> I, th- this might be, you know, like some 4D chess type stuff happening, but maybe some of the guys that they would like to keep, they didn't want to send to the Arizona Fall League because if they were good, then they might get picked and they don't necessarily want to protect them, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you highlighted Cade Bunnell, and that that is such an adept thing is that he's literally just the guy he always has been. He hit really well in Mississippi, and he draws a bunch of walks. But he strikes, like he's, regardless of what his stat line is, he's going to strike out a third of the time. Uh, A lot of deep counts for him uh, can sometimes get fooled. I say sometimes he is fooled often. And as a result, you know, those deep counts don't necessarily cash into positive results and he ends up striking out. I do think that some of the I'm sure we'll get some plenty of questions about Kyle Conley just because of his, you know, his stat line in the AFL. I remain highly skeptical of that approach. uh, The same as you. I think that There are certainly times and he's had stretches this year where he was, you know, like looked like this power hitting behemoth and had finally turned a corner and then he just doesn't do anything for like a month. Right. You know, it's just he he really can start selling out with his swing. And I don't necessarily love love the approach. Overall, I don't think he can stick it short either. I am not. I don't necessarily love him over there. It's not an athleticism problem. The arm's not particularly accurate. And I think that he's like the. What you'll see when he's having to make a kind of off balance throw that his footwork seems off to me. Uh, and as a result, it kind of can result in some errors happening. And, you know, he doesn't always make the best reads off the bat and can, you know, or maybe moving too quickly for his own good. There's just some actions over there it's a, at shortstop that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I don't know what that necessarily means for him long term. He's an interesting guy. Uh, You know, being a switch hitter that has some power and can, you know, theoretically play short has some value to it. But overall, you know, again, it's a really weird group they sent this year. Now, in fairness, the Braves minor league system, they don't have like like a bunch of marquee guys that they can send there because a lot of the guys that maybe would be considered more marquee names have already played down there. So they don't necessarily they're not going to get sent down there again. Um, Again, really interesting group that we've been kind of covering along. If you want to make sure you don't miss any of our recaps of what's going on in the Arizona Fall League, we've been posting them on Mondays. Uh, and so you can actually go today um i guess if you're watching listening to this it'll have been yesterday uh you can go back on the site and you can take a look at what's been going on in the afl gary's been doing a great job writing down the results of the arizona fall league and the braves prospects and how they've been doing down there before we get into our kind of a quick rule five draft preview uh before we let folks go again this will be another shorter podcast just because again there's just not a lot to talk about on the minor league side especially until we kind of get into the offseason proper but before we do that we're gonna take a quick break to listen to our work from our sponsors. All right, Garrett. Uh, you and I had to start kind of digging into the Rule Five draft recently. Uh, our fearless leader Chris Willis th- th- thought that was probably a good time to at least begin the conversation about who might get protected from the Rule Five draft. We got those deadlines coming up, and I'm, I'm going to kind of throw it to you to kind of set the tone here. as to, at uh, the very least, what we what are the most likely uh, course of action in terms of actual roster moves? We can get into the guys that are kind of the, in the the maybes or possibles after that, but. C- I'm certain that there's a number of our listeners that aren't really sure what's going, what, what the Rule 5 draft is, uh, what they sh- should be concerned about or not be concerned about, how it generally goes down. So first kind of give everyone a, a general idea as to what goes on with the Rule 5 draft, and then talk about the names that we think – I don't think anyone's a, like a for-sure lock other than one name, but the guys that we think are the most likely that are going to be protected. So take it away.
0: Yeah, so the Rule 5 is a yearly draft, almost yearly. They canceled it last year because of the CBA negotiations. But yearly, there's the non 40 man roster players who have either spent four years in the system if they were drafted when they were 19 or older, or five years in the sa- system if they were signed when they were 18 or younger. So, in the case of international or hot prep guys, uh, if they've been in a system that long, they are eligible, or been in the minor leagues that long without being on a 40 man roster at any point, they're eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Um, At that point, it's just a normal draft, basically, where they go through in order of record. They draft. You can draft. A lot of teams don't draft anybody in this draft, but you draft the guy. They pay – if they draft a player from another organization, they pay the organization $100,000 for the rights to the player, and that player has to be on the active 26-man roster for the entirety of the season they can be on the disabled list but if they don't spend 90 days on the active roster meaning they're not on the disabled list for those 90 days then those restrictions carry over to the next year at which point they would again have to be up to that 90 days that would have to be on the roster after that you know first year it becomes just a normal player you can option them you can do whatever but if you if a team were to want them off of active roster during the season they would have to put them through waivers and offer them back to the original team at five at fifty thousand dollars we've seen some situations with guys getting offered back a example of a guy that got offered back was indian Anciarte. he was drafted in the rule five draft uh, was offered back by the diamondbacks was offered back to the phillies which was the organization he was originally with and the Phillies said no we don't want them and the Diamondbacks ended up keeping them. And we all know how that turned out for Braves. Uh, so it's, I mean, players do come through the system. A recent player that had success with the Braves was Daniel Winkler was a rule five draft guy. Uh, and he was a guy that was under that injury thing where he was injured that first year and it became a whole thing, but that's kind of the basics of how it works. And it's just to kind of keep organizations from hoarding too many prospects that never get a chance at the major level. And you, And what happens is this year the deadline is, I believe, November 18th, where the Braves will clear out as many roster spots as they need and they can add their not. And their their players that would be eligible, they'll add them to their 40-man roster, the ones that they want to protect. And any guys that are eligible that they don't add to the 40-man roster by November 18th can be picked up by another team in the draft. Uh, The guys that we think, there are four names that I think are the most likely to be protected. Darius Vines, uh, starting pitcher. He was great at Double A this year. Towards the end of the season, he had success at Triple A. That's a guy that theoretically could factor to the major level next year. And that's yeah, a guy that's he's close that, to a lot. Yeah. When, when you have a starting pitcher that's had success with that upper levels, if they don't protect him, someone is probably going to pick him. And so that's a guy that they're going to protect, and that's a guy that I think that they like and want to have in the organization. They don't want to just give him up for a hundred thousand um, dollars. Victor Vodnik is a guy that is less likely than vines but he's a power relief arm and he has struggled with injuries but he when he's been at AAA this year he's had great numbers and a guy with that kind of arsenal that kind of potential he's another guy that if they don't protect him he's had success at AAA. someone would pick him up and stash him in the bullpen more than likely so that's a guy that i could see picking unless there are some injury things that we're not really aware of that Could be enough of a red flag for another team to say, no, we don't really want to take the risk on the guy more than likely a team would be willing to take a risk. And that's a guy that I think they would more than likely protect. Roderick Munoz is an interesting name. Munoz is a guy that, you know, he was pitched most of the season at high, had a decent season, came up to double a was kind of okay. And so it kind of, it's a guy that you might look at and go, well, they really want to put that guy on the 40 man is that, you know, he's not necessarily a highly rated prospect. It's that guy that you want to waste a 40 man spot on, but He is another player. He has a very, he has a, for 90s fastball, he has a slider. He's a guy that a team could take and stash in the bullpen. And so he's a guy that I think would more than likely get taken. And I think that he's a guy that they want to protect. Oh, an example of a guy that they've protected in recent years would be Waskar He had a rough season at high A in 2018. He was only 20 years old at the time, but he was a guy that they knew he threw 100 miles an hour. They knew teams would look at him, and they were like, okay, we're going to protect this guy. We don't want to lose this guy in the draft. And it's a, it would be a similar situation for Munoz where it's a guy that maybe the, stu- the numbers aren't necessarily bearing out how good he is, but he's a guy that they know potential-wise what he could be, and they know that teams are – there's not a ton of risk in getting a guy and stashing him in the bullpen in the roll five, typically, because a lot of those guys at the end of your bullpen aren't pitching important innings anyways. And so that's a guy I could see a team taking, and I think I could see them uh, protecting. The biggest name of the group that we think will get protected is Braden Shumake. Now, Shumake has not had a good season, and it, it, I think they're almost certainly going to protect. I think he's a guy that I would not be surprised getting picked if he isn't protected just because again, teams don't necessarily go very deep on their bulk on their bench now. And he has, he can, we know he can play defense. So at the very least he could be an asset to a team as a defensive replacement off the bench. So he's a guy that at the very least kind of has a baseline of, he could help a team, he could get picked and he has potential there where if he hits well, suddenly you've, run into a starting caliber player i think we're both in the same boat that we're skeptical that he's ever going to be started at the major level i have not seen him hit the ball with authority consistently enough to think that he is going to start at the major level i don't doubt his defense at all he's a fantastic defender um you know i think the one the one maybe caveat to this is he is coming off of a major knee injury and so maybe they don't protect him because a team won't, isn't going to take him off of that torn PCL, that is a possibility I could see happening. But I think if if he's healthy and they believe that a team is going to take him with that in mind, he's going to get protected. And you also have to consider from the Brave's perspective, right now, shortstop isn't a position that they really have figured out. If they I think it's very unlikely that they don't either bring Dancing Swanson back or find a replacement for him. But in that situation, in the unlikely situation that that happens, you're looking at Orlando Arcia or Braden Schumake. Those are the two guys that are going to be in the position for that. Um, for well, that, it, and or Von Grissom, right? Von Grissom, but I I, I don't trust him. To, I don't trust Grissom defensively, for what it's worth. I guess he could be there, but you know, in, in the instance that that happens, you know, there's he's one of three guys that could get that job, and he's probably the best defender of those three, which helps a lot in that situation. So with an uncertain situation at that position, do you really want to take the chance of leaving that guy off more than likely? There are enough players on the 40 man roster that they can drop a guy that they don't really feel that confident in and keep Shoemaker. And if Shoemaker struggles as he has this year, as he did this past year, if he continues to struggle like that, I think they'd be able to just clear him from the 40 man anyways, and just DFA him. And no one would pick him up on waivers if he continues to struggle the way he is. So I don't see necessarily a huge downside to protecting him. I think the only caveat to that is, depending on the team's confidence in his knee, would he actually get picked up? But I would say more than likely he's a guy that would get picked up and is probably going to be protected. What are your thoughts on all of that?
1: So here's the thing about the Rule Five draft. Uh, the the two biggest demographics that get picked in the Rule Five draft first is pitching, uh, and it's by a mile. Like the vast majority of picks that you're going to see in the Rule 5 draft are going to be pitchers. Uh, start, mo- a lot of relievers, you'll see a lot of guys who can basically throw hard and can't do much else, but teams are willing to kind of stash them on their uh, active rosters. Uh, but, they'll do, but starting pitchers certainly get picked too. Uh, and then catchers, uh, just because there's just a lack of catching depth just overall. And if they think that a guy can like be like that third or fourth string catcher and they can you know, just have the guy around or whatever, then like the, those are the kinds of guys that you'll see picked. But I, it's primarily pitchers. So for the, that's the kind of the context of what my comments are going to be. Uh, I tend to agree with particularly Vines and Munoz. Uh, Vine, Vines, I think, almost assuredly would get picked. I think that, you know, the, I think that towards the end of the year, he was pitching well enough to kind of be in the conversation for a call-up to be a starting pitcher if they really needed one. And they just had a total lack of confidence in, you know, Kyle Muller and, you know, <laughs> Bryce Elder. If they really didn't want to do that, then, you know, Vines was in that conversation. He's... I, in my in my mind, he's the highest rated prospect of these guys that's uh, that's available. I certainly think they're going to protect him. I think Munoz in that case is the, is what you mentioned, is that even if you don't think he's ready to be a starter right now, which he's not, like he would need some more time, you wouldn't have any problems with a guy that throws 96 to 98, you know, with that breaking ball and putting him in your bullpen, even if he's not your highest leverage guy, you can put him on your active roster and you can get some use out of him. Vodnik's an interesting case and we actually missed him in our preview because like there's a lot of stuff, list, weird listing stuff that happened on Fangraphs. So we actually forgot he was, you know, he was rule five eligible. The problem with Vodnik is the injury stuff and that you, it, this isn't like the minor league portion where you can kind of like stash him in the minor league system and, you know, you can kind of let things sort itself out. The rules for that are a little bit different, but in Vodnik's case, he just has not been able to stay healthy. And, you know, does that a team would, I think would have to have a lot, I could see a bad team picking him up because, like, they're like, well, what else are we going to do? You know, like, maybe we don't have a lot of money. I could see, like, a team like the the A's or the Royals or the Marlins or, you know, a team that's just – or the Pirates that are just bad and they just want cheap guys that can do something. I could see one of those teams picking him, but the, the injuries for him just keep mounting up. and He just can't seem to stay on the field. The arm is electric when he's healthy, but I mean, this is a couple years now where he's hasn't been able to stay healthy. I'm a little bit more skeptical that he would get picked, but you are right that this is, he is the kind of arm that teams would be looking at. And I do know that the Braves like him. So overall, I think what he, I think you're probably right now that we kind of think about it. And we realize that he's, that he's eligible, that, you know, he's a guy that could get protected and I wouldn't be shocked by it. Shoemaker's a weird case because the best argument for keeping him is the one that you mentioned about just the brave shortstop position in general. I don't think Shoemaker is a favorite amongst those three guys for that job at all. I don't. Um, I, 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 he's just not going to hit, and at least we have not seen any evidence to suggest that he's going to hit. He can't. He hasn't. He didn't hit well in Double A. He hasn't hit well. He didn't hit well in Triple A. He's dealt with. He dealt with injuries all year. And, you know, then obviously end of the year in an injury. That, well, that one wasn't his fault. He ran straight into Travis DeMeritt. Uh, well, I guess it was kind of his fault. I'm not really sure what he was doing out there in the first place. And it was a pretty rough injury. Um, so do you really want to stash a shortstop? Unless you really just need a backup shortstop. If you just don't have anybody else. Then I could see it happening. But I think that... So from a baseball perspective, that's the best argument to protect him. I don't think it's based on performance whatsoever. Um, but one of the arguments that is kind of worth talking about here is that prospect pedigree does matter. Uh, and I think that if the Braves were to not protect their, you know, their first round pick uh, in shoemake before he's ever made his you know, debut. I think there's some optics stuff there. Um, I certainly think that, I mean, the Braves keep promoting the guy, so they must s- see some value and see a chance for him to actually turn into something. So I, I think that he does end up getting protected right now. The Braves have, they filled 37 of their 40 spots uh, on their, on the roster is kind of how we had a breakdown when Chris did his kind of 40 man roster preview. And, you know, in Shoemaker's case, you know, that, that means that there's kind of another spot they have to make. They have, they can make some moves relatively easily, easily. They have guys like Alan Renhell who oddly enough was added to the 40 man roster to protect him. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be itching to, you know, to, you know, take him off your hands uh, anytime soon. Uh, He did not have a particularly good year. Silvino Bracco is another guy, Ryland Bannon. They could make room on the roster for four guys. And, Again, I, I this kind of gets back to you know like how many spots do they feel like they're going to need this off season? There's some certainly some math that's going to have to be done there. Who they can get rid of? Who they're going to trade away to make room to? Those yeah. are all all considerations that could happen. Uh, I think those are the four names that are the most likely. Um, but we do have some other names. There's there's a lot of guys who are Rule Five eligible. Uh, some there's a, a whole gaggle of them that there's just no chance. There's just the the if they're pitchers their stuff isn't good enough or they haven't progressed far enough. And for hitters they haven't quite got they haven't progressed far enough and they don't have quite enough value but that doesn't mean there aren't some interesting names that are rule five eligible so kind of really quick just kind of amongst the the other guys who we think are they they range from like it's possible but unlikely because we've certainly been surprised i still can't believe they protected allen around hell uh they've they've they've, they've made some rule five decisions in the past that have kind of caught us off guard. So like, don't, this is by no means the gospel. Like those are the four names we think are most likely, but the Braves have certainly surprised us, surprised us before. So run down kind of the names that are, again, we can probably, maybe we can start with the pitchers. Cause again, those seem like the most likely, but there's also some position players that we like that could end up, you know, getting picked too. So let's talk a little bit about them.
0: Yeah. So on the position player side, there are two guys that are the most notable that I just don't, I don't see any way that they're protected. Cody Milligan is a guy that's a great defender, uh, a guy that we like. He plays the game hard. He had reasonable success at Double A, but I think that he hasn't. You know, his Double A numbers aren't great. He doesn't infer a ton of power. I, I don't necessarily see a team taking that guy and stashing him on the bench. I don't see. You know, he's not a guy that really has the upside to make it worth that. Uh, Brandon Mosquita is a guy that does have that upside, but you know, he and he would be of this group that we're about to talk out, talk about the best prospect among that group, but he only played limited time at high A, and a team is just not going to stash a position player that hasn't played above A-ball. They're just not going to do it. So those are two guys that are eligible that aren't more than likely not going to be protected. Now Mesquita is a guy that next year we should watch out for. He might be a guy that gets protected next fall, but I don't think I would be very surprised if it happens this fall. I just don't see a reason to protect him at this fall. On the pitching side, there's a couple of guys that, you know, in Nolan Kingham and Nodavi Javier, who in relief at AAA had good numbers. Now, in both of their cases, they don't have very good stuff. And neither of them are guys that I don't think that anybody would be losing sleep if those guys went to another roster. And I don't think that teams are chomping at the bit to get them. But they are guys that had enough success at an upper level that a team might look at them and go, hey, Maybe we pick that guy up, give him a run. If it doesn't work out, we can offer it back. That type of situation. I don't think it's particularly likely with those guys, but they're names that you could see called, but that I don't think that they're going to protect simply because I just don't see them fitting in the brace bullpen. I just don't see the talent there. The three guys that are important in terms of the higher end guys would be Lissandro Santos, Justin Yeager, and Indigo Diaz. And they're all pretty much in the same situation of hard-throwing relievers, command issues a team might pick them if they think that that's what's going to work for what could work for them do the Braves like them enough to protect them uh, in the case of Santos and Jaeger, both of them struggled some at double-a Jaeger, in particular has had a lot of command issues at double-a but he's also a guy that touches upper digits consistently and a team could look at that and go hey We want to take a chance on that guy. Even if he only pitches 30 innings for me this year, he can throw 99. Let's see what, let's give him a run. Uh, Santos is a lefty that throws hard. Lefties that throw hard out of the bullpen. Teams love that. Uh, Indigo Diaz is a guy that we loved last year. I think if you had to talk to us at this time last year, we would have thought it would have been insane. The idea that they wouldn't protect him, but he struggled a lot early this year. He ended the season on a good note and that might be enough for a team to pick him up. But I think the question with all three of those is they're kind of a 50, they're kind of 50-50 players in that. Are they good enough to get picked? Maybe. Are they good enough to waste to use a roster spot on? Eh, maybe not. Not for the Braves in the position the Braves are in right now. Do you want to use that roster spot? I think with those guys, you're basically comparing them to the players that you have now: uh, Bracho that you mentioned, um, William Woods, Ron hell. Do you like them more than those guys? Which of the, you know, basically you're choosing between those two players. And that's only if you think those guys are going to get token. If you don't think that Inigo Diaz is going to get taken, there's no point in protecting him. And so we don't necessarily know what the Braves are thinking about those players and how much they value those players. And if it's a situation where you look at Bracho and go, well, I would rather have Jaeger because Jaeger has a higher ceiling, then by all means make that move. But I don't know that it's necessarily likely because there's just... There's so many moving parts that go into these decisions just in terms of what are other teams' interests, what what position are these players in, what do you think of these players, that it's just – it's hard to predict with these players. But they are names that – if any of these three names are protected in a month, I wouldn't be surprised by it, but I'm not necessarily expecting it either.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that assessment. I I think that you know, identifying the relievers is probably the best place to start because of the guys that like we're just not sold on, those that's the that's the place where I think we could get surprised the most. Again, like in the case of Nolan Kingham and Odalvi Javier, I think that the biggest thing is that I don't know if I'd necessarily be surprised if a team took them. I'm just not sure if I'm upset about it, right? Um <laughs> Because you're right, they're just not guys that I'm like super in on. But I could see like a team that goes into the the rule five draft and they have like eight open spots on their in the, on their active roster or something, you know, like, or just have just has a bunch of room in their bullpen or whatever, uh, and they just need arms, they just need live bodies. Um, again, these bad teams that you talk that that you're talking that you talk about, I could see teams like that. Taking shots on those types of guys, but those aren't. And but even then, I think it's more likely they would take a Santos or take a Diaz or take a Yeager uh, as opposed to taking Kingham or Javier. But who knows? Maybe they feel like they have some aspirations and they want some guys who have had a little bit more success closer to the big leagues. We'll see. Uh, Alan Winans is an interesting name. I think that one of the reasons he got sent to the AFLs to kind of see how, how the Braves feel about him long term. Uh, I think it ends up where he just doesn't get protected. Uh, I do like the I do like the breaking ball and you know, that 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 breaking ball slider, that breaking ball fastball combo of his can be quite good and he can get a bunch of ground balls with it. But I, I just don't see the stuff as good enough and, you know, like at the end of the day you're having to eat up a, a forty man spot for a guy like that. Um, I, I don't have access to kind of like, you know, his, his analytic numbers in terms of all that stuff, you know, like, you know, what kind of spin, you know, what kind of adjustments he's trying to make. And he's a guy that kind of had to deal with some injury. He didn't play he only had like 14 starts this year. So it's not something that I have a great handle on in terms of where I think the Braves think they are with him. But overall, he's a guy that I, again, if the Braves added him, it would tell us a lot about where they, what they feel about him. But he's not a guy that I have a good enough feel on to have any sort of like great, you know a great feeling about whether or not that they would, you know, add him to the 40-man roster, especially when we have, you know, these three to four names ahead of him that I think that would be far more likely. Uh, and the Braves just only have so many spots in their 40-man, right? So at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you just have to let a guy go. Sometimes a guy will get picked. But th- that's, that's just kind of some of the risks. Of it. And, you know, who knows? Maybe there's just like... Some hard 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 throwing relievers in low in low A or high A that a team is just gonna like go really out in a limb on. We have seen that happen in the rule five draft where just guys were like, Really? That guy's not even close to ready. But again, they just they're betting on pure stuff. And they the the one thing is that the investment isn't particularly big. So a team that just doesn't have much of a roster, uh, they can afford to take that risk. They're like, look, we'll just we'll take this guy and then the worst case scenario is that we offer him back and it's not that big a deal. Well, guys, that's all the time I ha- we have left for this week. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Road to Atlanta. We're going to try to keep this a r- relatively regular thing uh, during the off season. We're certainly going to have uh, some things going on that will require some attention on our end, and we want to make sure that we keep you apprised of all that uh, in terms of our projects and other things going on. And also just kind of as important things start happening with, you know, Rule 5 protection, you know, maybe we'll have some trades to talk about, that'd be kind of sweet uh, going in, going into the holidays that'd be nice to have something to talk about Road to Atlanta is just, it's not going to be a, a show that's going to be happening every week, uh, it's just not something that's really feasible, with this, frankly a lack of content to talk about, you can only talk about what the AFL uh, highlights and updates so often uh, without it just kind of being really repetitive and short podcasts, but we do want to get a podcast in the feed to kind of get, you know, help you scratch that minor league itch, and we want to thank each and every one of you for listening to the podcast, if you don't want to miss a Single episode of the this podcast or any of the podcasts on the Battery Power Network, make sure you listen you and subscribe to the Battery Power Podcast feed on one of your preferred podcast platform. We're on all of them, or if we're not on all of them, we can be on all of them. We're certainly on all the major ones. Just subscribe to the Battery Power Podcast. Not only do you get this podcast, you will get the flagship show hosted by the great Brad Rowland, occasionally co-hosted by myself and or Scott Coleman you also get the daily hammer hosted by the great Sean Coleman which is kind of our week you know during the week update quick po- quick uh, podcast to talk about what's going on most time in the season talking about what happened the previous night but you know going into the off season kind of just you know, getting some general topics and general discussion about what's going on uh leading into the off season and then we also have the podcast to be named later hosted by uh, our list leader, Chris Willis, as well as Stephen Tolbert, where they have a kind of a deeper dive into the big topics going on. This offseason is obviously going to be a lot of, you know, what's to do with, you know, Dansby and, you know, how, what to, how to handle the left field situation. You know, any changes or any, you know, discussing free agent net agency, those deep dive topics are going to be big ones for them going into this offseason. And again, you guys have been great about supporting the podcast, not only in season, but just for many years. And I just want to take the time and say thank you to each and every one of our listeners.
0: But that's all we have for this week. So until next time, we'll see you on the road.